This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Bradley Cook, best known for navigating the South Pole in 1964, if I'm not mistaken. This one goes out to you. I hope your beard thaws out soon. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Rodrigo! And I'm Steven. And you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue the trinity is reunited but rodrigo's got a new suit steven's out walking the earth and matthew's currently been replaced by molly in a matthew suit plus a turning point for wee huey and it really hurts when your wee huey gets turned by the way plus a major creator makes a stunning announcement and matthew is the last cheese bender rodrigo is the last beer bender and trust me you do not want to know what steven is bending but we will see our enemies driven before us. We will hear the lamentations of their women, because it's just funny. Someday, you will find us caught beneath the landslide in an X-Men supernova in the sky. Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast, so glad to have you here this week. Rodrigo, you do get the point Yay! on that one, you called that one, you saw that one from the from the cheap seats, I, yeah. I must say. You know, um, really, what I was sitting around and I was like, you know, I really, really want Matthew to do an Oasis reference, so I'm going to set this up so that we do X-Men Supernova. <laughs> yeah, we could also do uh, something involving the word champagne. Hey, uh, Next week we're going to cover Batman Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Look, everybody, it's Rodrigo. Rodrigo, welcome back. Hey, Steven. Hello, it is good to be back. Thank you. I had a lovely trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lovely trip to the state of Ohio. That's where right. We did all sorts of fun things like visit the zoo and watch fireworks. Yep. Did you shoot any you know fireworks what? at zoo animals? No. Okay. <laughs> you know what next week's uh, podcast poll a week, 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 week needs to be? What's that? Rodrigo versus not Rigo. Fake no. Rigo. All out, out battle to the death. All right, everybody. We got a lot to go through this week. Man, it's been so long since we've been here. It's been like two weeks since Matthew and I sat down together. Three weeks, four weeks since Rodrigo's been here. Ooh, we got a lot to get to. Let's get to the news. This week, we got four stories for you. We've got uh, Wonder Woman's new clothes. We've got uh, Batman gets a new ongoing. We got Deadpool Max. Ed Norton not being in the Avengers movie, and Mark Wade says he's going to stop reading superhero comic books. Let's spin that wheel <laughs> o destiny. Four things, Stephen. Four things. <laughs> it lands on number four A. <laughs> Mark Wade says that he's going to stop reading superhero comic books. Oh, caused quite the controversy all over the Twitter sphere and really the entire webs over the uh, weekend. Over on uh, at Twitter, Mark Wade, I think he posted this on Sunday night, yeah. Friday night, one of those two. He says, and today was the day I stopped reading superhero comics. One that I won't name finally broke me. Collection stops as of now, no joke. It's not one bad comic. It's the unbearably last in a long string of bad comics. Just sick of reading the same story 100 times in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, kaboom! The internet explodes. Oh, how dare you, Mark Wade? Are you still going to be writing your own stuff and reading your own stuff? Yeah. I don't think that... that uh, I think people are taking his, his wording a little bit too literally Yeah, in that. I agree. And I, I 
I think I was surprised, although I probably shouldn't have been surprised, by the amount of vitriol that was suddenly turned on Mark. Yeah. Who, who, to my knowledge, you know, again, I don't have a whole lot of, of Twitter interactions, but anytime I've had any interactions with Mark Wade in the, you know, the Intar web type stuff, it's always been incredibly pleasant and very professional and, oh, yeah. you know, fun and, and clever. And, you know, some, granted, this is something that he obviously feels passionately about, but I don't understand how people took Mark Wade saying, I'm frustrated and I'm going to stop reading comics as an indictment of their entire hobby that they needed to immediately lash back at him about. Oh, yeah, the forum, the the comments on this post just went on and on and on and on, and comics seem to go in cycles. Let's see if I can find one that is really, uh, do-do-do-do-do. I, for one, agree with Mark Wait, Well, you know no, what? that's I, not the one yeah. that we want to do. Um, I, I'll find one here in a moment, but, uh, you know... All right. One so person Mark is going Wade. off and saying, "Oh well, you know, Mark Wade, you're you're one to talk. I mean, I can talk about all your terrible comics." Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mark Wade's been on the show and admitted that he's releasing yeah. real stinkwads. So, and he he said by name, you know, I'm sorry yeah. I wrote the Kingdom. I'm sorry that I wrote the Flash. You know that uh, Flash comeback. Thing, that so. second Flash run. Yeah. 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 Honestly, like this is this is what happens when you become somewhat famous like mark wade is actually literally writing his own twitter feed right so he puts up stuff so stan lee apparently he's he's he's, you know he gets frustrated about something and he puts it up there but i i i swear to you he has learned not to do that now no you just you go back i I know you follow mark wade and gail Mm -hmm. simone man those two bicker back and forth in jovial jest with yeah but but that's different but some because, people may not because interpret it as he, that way. Well, and that's fine, because then he can say, oh, it was a joke. Right. This was him literally oh, yeah, yeah. Being, being frustrated, frustrated by something. Yeah. And instead of, you know, and so, you know, he did what everybody, everyone in, in, tw- in 2010 in the United States does. You get right. frustrated, you put it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you use. Right. Um, but... He has 30,000 followers, mm-hmm. all of which just explode into a uh, multi-headed, multi-pimpled ball of rage. I, you know, I just, I, on the one hand, I can understand some gentle ribbing back at Wade saying, oh, but you're going to still continue to write Spider-Man and Irredeemable and mm-hmm. uh, Inconceivable and Incognito. You're still going to write all those, right? <laughs> you know, you can still kind of poke fun at him for that. Imperceptible. Yes. But at the same time... I'm surprised people aren't going, hey, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. Well, and that is that is the surprise to me. Like, I would think that people would be like, amen, brother. And I'm sure some people were. Right. Um, hey, Gail Simone and I were in his court. But, I mean, the last Steve, by the Marvel... way, you dropped, you dropped that name. You may want to pick that up. All right. The, the last Marvel book that I was actually following was Ghost Rider. Right. And I haven't actually been following that for a while right and the last dc book that i followed was um uh, probably justice league back when uh morrison was writing yeah well so like i i i'm i'm with him there's nothing going on in superhero comic books right now that really excites me that's entertaining what is that that is matthew's uh that's my wife's ringtone (laughs) I apologize for the inconvenience. All right, let's let's just kindly step aside. Anyway, well, well this is what I was this is what I was going to say. Uh, in the last week, I have a plethora of reviews that are four four and a half star reviews. 
And I've just been on this week of really, really enjoying the comic books that I've been reading and really enjoying the comic books that I've been reviewing. Except for one review, well, maybe two if you want to count X-Men versus Vampires, mm-hmm. X-Men number one. They have all been non-superhero books. Right. Right? Uh, we've got this Call of Cthulhu thing. We've got uh, uh, Walking Dead, some of these other ones out there. The and number one. The, yeah, yeah. And Code Crackers. Yes, Code Breakers number four. Um, <laughs> Code Crackers. That's what I call you guys to my friends. Code crackers. Code crackers. <laughs> like when you These when you when you bud when you butt dial me, I'm like up oh, oh, code cracker. Code cracker, what you doing? Why are you calling me code cracker? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, oh, with right with yeah. the one exception of uh, Red Robin uh, number fourteen, which still got a four star review, all the rest of them have not been you know, superhero books. And I've been enjoying the heck out of those that are not superhero books. So I can understand Wade's frustration because to be honest, I got to the Batman titles from this past week and I was just dreading reading them. It's like, Oh God, what are they going to do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand it's all been rehashed and done before. I can understand his frustration. I'm not going to go out and say, well, I'm going to stop reading, you know, superhero books. I've stopped reading flash books. That's for sure. Mm. I've stopped reading brightest day. I've stopped reading uh, whatever Green Lantern core stuff that's going on because it doesn't interest me anymore. Well, and I think here's here's what's really bothersome to me. Mark Wade, yeah, Mark Wade's a professional. Yeah, Mark Wade gets paid to write superhero comics, but he's allowed to have an opinion just like every other person on Earth. And there's no reason why, you know, if Mark Wade says, I don't, if he had come out and called it out by name, and he said, you know what, Rodrigo Lopez, writer of Scuzzbag Ninja, you effed the pooch here. I have, I have on multiple occasions uh, said that Scuzz, Scuzzbag Ninja was not my favorite. Yeah, what is your favorite? Was game? not my favorite. Not, not your best word. When it came to uh, Scuzzbag Ninja, yeah. <laughs> that was the last time I ever read a ninja book yeah. ever. Okay. Yeah, it so, really was. Thank you, and Rodrigo, it, you know, for ruining it's that not, for me. It wasn't uh, nearly know. as good as your work on the Wonderwall comic, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Even if he had done that, it would have been, you know, slightly less professional. It may have been a personal slight towards whoever wrote Scumbag Ninja. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that phone through the wall. I swear to God, it may have been a, even a personal shot. But at this point in time, it's still his. God-given right as an American citizen, dot, 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 hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm. You have the right to not like things. Sure, exactly you do. Simply not liking things is not an indictment of people who do because your mileage may vary. I'll say this. My pull list is much, much lower. Now, I am a unique case in that a low pull list for me means three pages worth of comics on my monthly pull list. And not all of them are superhero titles, but I will tell you that the majority of them are, and a lot of them are really tiresome right now. I don't know if it's the industry. I don't know if it's, you know, a kind of a post-coital lull for Blackest Night and all of this stuff. Whatever it is, I think we're all feeling the ennui, and I think that, you know, if somebody says something that's true, even if you don't agree with it, there's better ways to deal with it than to try and, you know, well, you never wrote anything anywhere near as good as the thing we don't know what you <laughs> well, read see, in the, the first place. Yeah, so see, it's really funny that people are just lashing out at Mark Wade saying, well, you're, you're, you know, who are you to talk? And people aren't having the conversation of what is wrong with superhero comics that one of the biggest superhero exactly, comic exactly, writers exactly. isn't going to read anymore. And I'm surprised there hasn't been a plethora of discussion of 
what's the book that broke the Wade's back? Yeah. Legion, anyone? I know what it was. Which one do you think it is? I think it's Legion, to be honest with you. You think it was Legion number I th- two? I think it was Legion. I think, based on the timing and who it is that he said he likes and who he enjoys, mm-hmm. I really think it may be related to that or it may be related to one of Marvel's uh, franchises that starts with an A, not mentioning any names, but rhymes with Bovengers. <laughs> All right, before we get out of news, let's really quickly talk Ed Norton not being in the Avengers movie. Apparently, at one point, uh, people thought that um, that uh, Ed Norton was going to play Bruce Banner in the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And apparently, a couple of weeks ago, Marvel extended an olive branch and said, hey, Ed Norton, why don't we talk? Why don't we see about getting you to come down to San Diego Comic-Con and uh, announce you as Bruce Banner in the Avengers movie? Hey, okay, man, let's have some talks. Da, da, da. People back and forth. Marvel decides that they want to go another direction. And suddenly, oh my gosh, Ed Norton has been out. He's no longer the Hulk. Ed Norton was really nice and posted a really nice follow-up uh, message to he that, did. which was good. But After the bickering back and forth between Ed Norton's agent and the Marvel mm-hmm. uh, announcement was, I didn't think, was really called for. But from my perspective... Well, it's because everybody flipped out about it. Well, yes, but Ed Norton was never in yeah, the Avengers. Exactly. That's the thing that people forget. They forget that way back two, three years ago when the Hulk came out, there was all sorts of chaos over... Ed Norton not wanting to promote the movie, Ed Norton refusing to do this because he didn't get a final cut in certain scenes, Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to be involved with the Hulk, didn't want to promote the Hulk. So at that point, I knew that Ed Norton was never going to be in an Avengers movie, and yet people are surprised that Ed Norton is not in an Avengers movie. Should we be surprised that Ed Norton's not in in an Avengers movie, Rodrigo? No, certainly not. Honestly, you know, it was kind of like what happened with Superman Returns. You know, the movie did well. And then you just never heard anything about a sequel. Right. Nowadays, if a movie does well, in fact, before they know that the movie's going to do well, right. they're they're already shooting Green Lantern number four, right. basically. Right. Um, so just the fact that we never heard anything about it, and I, I hadn't heard that Ed Norton wanted that much control over the movie. Yeah, that but, was a big sticking point is why he didn't go out and promote the movie. But just the fact that... We never, despite the fact that it did pretty well, especially on the wake of Iron Man, mm-hmm. um, that we never heard about a sequel, I was like, yep, that's that's probably not happening. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing, too, that uh, uh, people are like, well, Ed Norton was perfect as the Hulk. Mm, no, he wasn't. The Hulk was a CG crea- creation. They, they mean Banner. I know. I know. Ed Norton is Bruce Banner. And right. there's a difference there. And really, if you follow, like, Ultimate Adventures or something like along those lines, you don't even really need a banner in the movie. Well, and forget that. I mean, you know, what's what was that guy's name? Banna? Yeah, Eric uh, Banna. He wasn't a bad... No, he wasn't. He, he wasn't bad at being Banner. Um, it, he was just not in the greatest Hulk movie ever made, which I think is technically is Edward Norton's movie just because that one wasn't all that great. Right. Unless you count the one where the Hulk kind of falls backwards off a helicopter. <laughs> you like that? If you're into that, then hey, the, that one was Bill awesome. Bixby. The um, Death of the Hulk. Oh. Hey, go look in the film vault uh, up at Major Spoilers. We got That's a whole right. review over the Death of the Hulk. Um, Maybe, if it hadn't been deleted. But, uh, you know, I, I, I you can you can have somebody else play Banner. It'll be okay. You know, like like you had said, um, they Don switched Cheadle out and, yeah. Don Cheadle, and that worked out. And they will get another perfect Bruce Banner, because you know what? There is no shortage 
of average of nerdy white, white guys. <laughs> Code cracker, what are you doing? That's right. <laughs> cracker, cracker. All now, right. Now, if they get I... uh, that Glover kid to play Bruce Banner, then then it'll be interesting. <laughs> Crispin Glover, that'd be not awesome. Crispin Glover. <laughs> actually, would be pretty cool. <laughs> Biff. Actually, actually no, except for the fact that he's too old, you know, for that. Oh, but then Bill Robert Bixby Downey Jr. in his late forties. I, I have only two things to say about this Ed Norton kerfluffle. Okay. A couple of months ago, I went on my little pulpit and started complaining about people saying the one true what the heck ever. Yeah. Yes. Comic book fans are big, big proponents of the one true what the heck ever. You cannot expect the adaptations to keep this up. I mean, if you look at it this way, Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man, but Tobey Maguire is now 37 years old. Yep. It's not, it's not, you know, unmarried spider dad. It's Spider-Man. And if they recast the Hulk, the vast majority of people aren't really going to care. Yeah. Probably not. I know I'm not. I actually like the Ang Lee movie up to a point. Wasn't a good Hulk movie, but I thought it was kind of entertaining in a soap opera way. And secondly, uh-huh. Ed Norton already has a job cleaning the sewers. Not to mention the fact that he and Ralph Cramden are getting involved in all those, those wacky hijinks. So you have to figure that Ed Norton is busy already. Hey, I'm gonna play the Hulk. Hey, they could just hey, get Ralphie. um. You would you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Ralphie. Hey, they could just take um <laughs> Joel from Mystery Science Theater and spike up his hair, there and people go. probably wouldn't be able to tell for That's a while. The that yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, listeners, those are pretty hot topics over at Majorspoilers.com. You can head over there and uh, talk in the uh, in the comment section. There's a link in the show notes to each of those news stories. And while you're over at Major Spoilers, why don't you check out this past weekend's retro review of Ghost Rider number sixty eight. From uh, 1982, one. volume was it? Volume two, volume one. Well, it's volume. It's Marvel's volume one. It's the second book called Ghost Rider, but the previous Ghost Rider book wasn't about the a Ghost Rider so much as it was ah. about a different Ghost Rider. So. Ah, okay. So it's a perfect Let's jumping yes. on point. Travel back in time, won't you, with our reviews of comics past? <laughs> and speaking <laughs> of things that you want to tune into, critical hit number 56, the end. Oh my this gosh. Is the, this is the only critical hit episode that I have listened to all the way through five times. <laughs> Most of them I barely listened to through the first time, as is obvious in my dice roll and <laughs> paying attention. And I don't even remember what happened last time. Am I a mage? This is a fun episode. I got to tell you, if you guys are into Dungeons and Dragons, we're going to talk more about Dungeons and Dragons on the Saturday show mm-hmm. as a lead in to uh, critical hit number 57. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, season finale of Critical yeah. Hit, just totally awesome. Awesome I don't, upon awesome. I don't awesome. want to spoil anything, but I'm really going to miss Torque. I mean, no, no. <laughs> I do, damn it. I shouldn't have said that out loud. One final thing. If you do have a webcam, a good quality microphone, and you like to have your opinion heard, what I want is your thought on the following subject. I, I, you know, Chris Nolan, well, this has kind of been uh, uh, talked about maybe before, but Chris Nolan is rebooting the Superman franchise. And early talk on the street is that he's going after an unknown to play the Man of Steel. Now, what the question is to you is, do you agree that someone audiences never heard of should make you believe that a man can fly? Or is there someone else who should be cast in the role of Superman? All we need you to do... Yes, Ed Norton. I hear he's looking for a job. <laughs> 
all we want you to do is record yourself with your video camera, or your web camera, or whatever. Make it look good. Make it sound good. 640 by 480. Quick time or Windows Media file. Pants are not optional. This is not chat roulette. Yes. Turn uh, off the fan. File size, less than three megabytes in size. Make your argument in one minute or less, preferably less if you can, and then send your submission to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Got something coming up. Want you to participate in that. Want to see what kind of feedback we can get and to see if we can do something with that in the future. That can all be found over at majorspoilers.com. Drink, 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 drink. Oh, speaking of drinking, I got a 12-pack of uh, the Boulevard Brewing Company. That's a, that's a brewing company in, I think, Lawrence. Kansas City, one of those two places. Mm-hmm. I think it's Lawrence, I got, yeah. I got a 12-pack, a sampler pack. You know, they got right. Irish ale, they had a, a Porter Stout and all this stuff. And Lager. Didn't La- Porter no, Stout play Superman in 1956? The one I opened is Lunar Ale. Lunar Ale. Blah. That's my review. I, I give it no slices of meatloaf for this. Yeah. It tastes, there's something There's something like they put a orchid or something in there and ground it up and wow. brewed it with that. It doesn't taste very good. That's specific. Yeah. Hey, at the top of the show... <laughs> We gave a shout out to Bradley Cook, and Bradley wrote in with his uh, with this comment. He says, "Hello, major spoilers. I started listening to your podcast on March, April twenty sixth, two thousand ten, and I just finished today listening to all two hundred and one issues. You guys are truly masters of your craft. Keep up the great work, and thank you for the podcast. I have one last thing to say, Blarney Cock. Thanks for it all. Sincerely, Bradley Cook." Well, you know, Bradley, thank you so much for contributing to the Major Spoilers podcast. If you would like to contribute and get your name shouted out at the top of the podcast as the way that Matthew does so well each and every week, all you have to do, Rodrigo, is do what? Um, there's a, at the top right of the side, there's a donate uh, button and you, it's $10 or more. And if you do that, um, make sure that uh, you... You know, fill out all the information that we know that you sent us the money. Yep. And make sure to include your middle name, too, so that Matthew has more material to butcher <laughs> right. your name. Especially if your middle name is something like Wilberforce. Or yes. Aloysius. Yes, Aloysius. Aloysius. Yes, yes, yes. I you also gotta... reserve the right to give you a fake middle name. <laughs> <laughs> we also got a uh, another email this week from Charles. He says, hi, I am a regular downloader. If there's a word like that of the Major Spoilers podcast, because I love comics and pulp culture and know that you do too. Anyway, I live and work in Nigeria, but I'm not a Nigerian prince. And I've been reading comics for more than 20 years. Recently, there's been a serious debate on digital comics and if they're the future of comics. Personally, I think digital comics are the best thing since sliced bread. In other parts of the world, including the UK, because I lived in Cardiff, Wales for a while, comics are really, really difficult to find. With the exception of the Forbidden Planet, there are absolutely no other comic stores in Cardiff. Yes, you can find graphic novels in Borders, but they don't have a wide variety of comics. In Nigeria, we could walk into some supermarkets and shops and see old comics lying around, but nowadays, you can't find comics anywhere. We can, however, order comic books online from comic retailers, uh, but it's really expensive and takes forever to receive. Well... Thanks to iTunes and the various comics apps on them, I can download and read comics anywhere with my iPhone without paying hundreds of dollars ordering them. Comics aren't too popular in Nigeria, but the few readers that that I know are really excited at the prospect of getting comics digitally. In addition to this, some guys who have been comics who've seen comics on my iPhone are actually interested in reading them just because they're digital, because you know they look cool. So with digital comics, the industry can overcome some major distribution uh, issues as well as get new readers. It's really a win-win situation except for those comic shops. Uh, Before I leave, I wanted to point out that your show has really done a lot in getting me into indie comics even more. 
I've always been a big fan of Marvel and DC, but thanks to you guys, I now know the existence of Boom Studios, Dynamite Entertainment, and other independent publishers, and I've diversified my taste in comics. I now know that comics aren't all about men in tights. Keep up the good work. And P.S. Matthew, I love your comics knowledge. I thought I was an authority on comics, but now I realize that I can only be an altar boy in your church of comics knowledge. And that's from Charles in Nigeria. Once you were the master, but now it is I. <laughs> I like his. I like that idea from someone from an international perspective yeah, a, looking at uh, digital comics. Yeah. Uh, I'm Stephen. I've got an iPad, and when we talk about uh, X-Men Supernovas in the Sky... All of those issues, except for the annual, available on the iPad. Available on the iPad. I have an iPad. Look at me. The digital comic the debate will continue for some time, but until then, why don't we talk about some comic book reviews? Reviews. This week, we've got three titles from three different companies, I believe. Well, actually, why don't we start off with Rodrigo, since you've been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. You took some time off. That's right. Relaxed, went home, shot yep. some fireworks at animals. I, <laughs> okay. We can't let this go out unless you want PETA like protesting the podcast. I did not shoot. Peter, fire. I'm actually Peter Griffin. I love Peter Griffin. He's great. I, um, I'm actually terrified of fireworks. Oh, really? I really am. Really? Um, if not for the fact that I was actually driving back home on the Fourth of July, yeah, I would have probably actually spent it. In my basement. Oh, really? Cat, our cat does the same thing. Because um, in my no, it's it's true. I mean, it's 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 a literal like animal fear of fireworks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I partially understand. because the people in my neighborhood are also animals about their fireworks, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and they're just not in any way safe. Like yeah. on the fifth of July, they're shooting Saturn missiles at you down the street. The, it looks like the streets are just littered with shells yeah and the worrisome part is is that they're not entirely only fireworks shells i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure so yes just just to be clear (laughs) rodrigo fireworks no that's right (laughs) fire bad (laughs) but what you did do over the break is you did take some time to go see that new airbender movie that's right i went to see the last airbender in 3d oh um can can you see it in any other way can you see it in any other way? Is it worth seeing not in 3D? The answer to that is yes. It is, in fact, not worth seeing in 3D because there was not a moment in the movie that really stood out to me as like, wow, I'm glad I'm watching this in 3D. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially considering the uh, exorbitant cost oh, yeah. when compared to Did you to see just... that in Hayes? No, no, I saw it in Columbus. In oh, Ohio. okay, all right. Because the problem is here in Hayes, mm-hmm. they spend an awful lot of money to put that 3D projector in. Right, but there's and only so one. There's only one. So in order to make up that cost, any movie that's coming out in 3D that could be a big hit, like Airbender, is going to go into that theater. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're running multiple screenings at the same time where one is in 3D and one is in 2D. So, for example, when we took my son to go see uh, Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. only in 3D. Try right, to get a three-year-old right. to sit still for two and a half with, hours with, with some glasses on his face. Although that's got to be really cute. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't? Because about okay. uh, an hour in, he was on the floor picking up old popcorn oh, and talking, nice, that kind of stuff. Because nice. he didn't want to wear the glasses. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Please No, go. it's all good. Um, so people on the internet are saying, oh my God, The Last Airbender, worst movie of the summer. Um, probably not true. 18? Um, 
was the A team bad? I didn't. Go see I didn't it. see that one either. But um, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've seen any other movies. As so unless you count Iron Man, it was kind of a late spring thing, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, that one was pretty good. So that's the only two movies I've seen. <laughs> this, uh, but anyway, um, the last Airbender wasn't actually all that bad, and but I think the reason for that is that it is standing on a really solid foundation. It stays pretty close to the comp not the comic the uh cartoon the show series, the yeah, the, series, yeah the nicktoon the if you will yeah um and if you go back and look at its strongest moments they are the moments that are lifted straight from the cartoon um if you go back and look at its weakest moments they are moments that were added on mm. kind of as uh i want to say as m knights you know, kind of thumbprint on. So it. Aang like, is really dead in this movie, and he's and Bruce not. Willis he's didn't not. Know but all right. So the movie starts, and it starts just like the TV show, right? So I'm in it. I'm right. like awesome, right? Because it's actually like a red background, and people are like bending elements and stuff, and it's like Earth, water, you know, stuff like heart that. by exactly. your powers come. Oh, and um, so I'm like awesome, and it's like Planets. the Avatar back in the day is now lost, and I'm like cool. And it's like, because only he had access to the spirit world. And I'm like, what? Hmm. So there's this, like, all, like, this whole, like, ongoing spirit world thing. Yeah. That is not present in the show, at least not present well, but, in the first couple seasons but, but, of the what, show wait, that I've isn't seen. That the, isn't this a movie just essentially season one? Because it seemed like a Cartoon Network was running that series leading up to the movie. And hmm. I was watching it on and off. And there's this point where Aang doesn't remember who he is, but he steps out of his body and goes and visits some cave with dragon monster or something in it and his body gets stolen and he can't return to his body hmm. is that it was that in season one i uh, i don't remember that being in season okay. one but it actually it's, it's has the whole been battle a where the yeah. fire nation is attacking the, the right the, that's the, the, the water two. yeah that's okay two. yeah that's um fine. in any case um it just the movie is just seems like a bunch of little bullet points mm. like here are the most interesting things in the movie or that i am night Shyamalan have made up about this right. and 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 everything that's bad about this movie falls squarely on m night Shyamalan's full uh, shoulders right because at the end it says written produced and directed by m night Shyamalan. Oh, okay. so, like, so he has no one to blame yeah well he um, does that with all those movies now sure yeah um but uh so it's like they get Aang out of the iceberg, and then the Fire Nation comes, and they take Aang, and then he gets away, and then they go down, and they meet some Earthbenders, and they're like, let's make an Earthbender revolution! So there's an Earthbender revolution, they leave the Earthbenders, you never see the Earthbenders again, they're like, let's go around villages and gather support. Okay, we can totally do that. So then they do that for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, this sounds incredibly boring. it's, It's just like... Next scene, next scene, next scene. And let's talk about the, the, the bending, like basically the martial arts. Right. All of the fighting scenes are extremely short because they're trying to fit in 15 different ones. Right. Um, the bending is cool. It's similar to what you see in the movie, but I kind of wanted to see some real-time bending. Uh-huh. Everything is just in slow motion anytime oh, yeah, there's yeah. any elemental bending going on. Right. Um, They did this thing where... In the cartoon, the firebenders can actually produce fire, mm-hmm. and in this, they actually need fire, and that would have been the only 
thing that I was like, okay, that's fine that you changed this because that was the only thing that was a little weird about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like the organic web shooters, right? You're just kind of like, whatever, let's roll with it. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, they just kind of take that back because they're like, at the very end, is like, soon a comet will come by that will allow us to use all our powers and not rely on lanterns, which was actually kind of a, the only cool thing that this movie did. <laughs> so, I mean, all around. It was cool to see live action, elemental bending. It was cool to see some of these characters on screen, but they weren't really those characters. Like, I went to see it with my girlfriend, my sister, and my brother. Mm -hmm. And of course. Did you take your nephews? No, no way. They're too young. Okay. Um, But so, you know, the girls liked it. And of course, I had to sit there and destroy this movie (laughs) for them. And I was like, okay, well. So Are you one of those guys? I am. I totally am. And I actually was that guy before I went to film school. So <laughs> it's it's like being an arsonist and then basically joining, I don't know, the army for a while in their uh, explosives division and yeah. then coming back out. Okay. Um, But so I sat there and I was like, okay, well, what are the names of the main characters? They didn't know. Asian guy. Yeah. Asian guy with a bald head. Well, and Asian that's, girl. And that's the but other that's thing. That's what I was going to bring that's up. I was going to bring thing. that up in a second. I was going to bring it up in a second. Um, so they didn't know. I was like, okay, well, here are their actual names because I remember them from the show. Right. What is Sokka's and Aang's relationship? How, do they get along? Are they friends? Are they not friends? And they were like, well, I guess they're friends. There's no relationships in it. No. Like, there's no... And there the love isn't there the the, the princess of the of the water nation falling yes. in love with the boy. They look at each other and they're like, "We are now in love." And then she dies. Like they just go over there and they kill her for no reason. Oh. Like they basically just the third act of the movie is this big setup just so they can kill her, just so there can be this like religious mysterious moment at the end, and that's it. Like she is there. Only for half the movie, only so she can die. Nah, that sucks. Matthew, did and, you, have and they you seen this movie her, yet? They attach her to Sokka just so that he can be sad that she died. Matthew, you didn't take your kid to see this movie, did you? Oh, no. Um, okay. My wife did. She said her head hurt. She actually wants to know if she can do a full review for the website. That's fine. It's a little old, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Um, my f- okay, so let's, let's talk about uh, white kid playing an Asian role. Really, to be honest well, with you, when, okay. you, when you watch that cartoon series... Doesn't look Asian to me. No. And and that's important. First off, a lot of people think that Avatar, The Last Airbender, is anime. And I'm, I'm throwing some right, air right, quotes right. Air Because how the hell do you define that anyway? But right. it is an American show. It's an American show yeah. that emulates right. a lot of Japanese animation. Right. It um, is not Japanimation. First off. Second, it's set in a mythical land and the, the characters features are all cartoony so you can't look at someone and say oh that character is clearly meant to be asian that character is clearly meant to be indian that Mm -hmm. character is blah 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 that said what you can see is that some characters skins are darker than other characters right and the waterbenders are pale Mm -hmm. in the movie Mm -hmm. and in the show they have dark skin Yeah. yeah um is that a huge deal? No, for the aforementioned reasons, because mm-hmm. they're not actually Inuits. Oh, but man, all these people were just, when, when Noah Ringer was announced as, as Aang, people were just like, what? 
A white boy from Texas. See, I don't have a Ang. I don't have a problem with. I, I honestly did not have a problem with. Partially because if you've like, there are Japanese people who actually kind of look like that. Like, right. I could actually believe that that kid was Asian, like even mm-hmm. in that sense, mm-hmm. and he's not, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is that. This was a perfect opportunity. This was a perfect opportunity to have minorities in lead roles. And yeah, M. Night right. Shyamalan, a minority himself, right, right. passed on it. Yeah. He just leapt over it. That is odd. And here's the thing. None of the kids are well known. I think one of them's a vampire from Twilight is what the girls were telling me. Oh, really? Um, but that's about it. And he's not even the main vampire from T- Twilight. So this was an excellent opportunity to have... An Asian male in a leading role. When was the last time you saw an Asian male in a leading role that wasn't just Jackie Chan, or Jackie Jet Chan, Lee. or Jet Li? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I hear you. I mean, I mean, it was just a, an opportunity that was just thrown out the window. The one thing that is weird is that most of the Firebenders are Indian, or they look Indian. Mm. Um, Asif Mandi, Manvi, mm-hmm. the guy from uh, the guy from the Daily Show, yeah. plays a pretty convincing bad guy. He's a jerk. He uh-huh. does a good job. In fact, except for the kids, all of the acting is really good. And the kid who plays Ang does a good job, but the other two kids are not very good. The princess is not very good. That's too bad. Um, so I don't know. It just all around it left me with, you know what I re- like. Right afterward, I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to go back and watch the TV show. Because that one was pretty good. <laughs> like, and seriously, and, and you know, maybe it's some crazy backwards way of getting you to buy the first season DVDs. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what I was left with. I was like, wow, the show sure was a lot better than this. I want to go watch that. Well, but I think part of it, and we probably ought to wrap this up, but part of it is you're ty- trying to take 13 or 15 or 21 half-hour episodes or 22-minute yes. episodes, and you're trying to cram all of that story into... Two hours or however but, long the movie was. But why? Impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. And I don't know why he even attempted it. Right. There are clean breaks even within the first season. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have gotten, I don't know, like 12 movies out of this. Yeah, probably. Because I mean, look, they're taking the text that- for Avatar The Last Airbender is huge. There's yeah. a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of characters. Yeah. A lot of smaller things that you could have focused on. You didn't have to cram seasons one through two and a half into one movie just because you wanted to call it book one water, like the first right, season right, is called. Right, right. Um, they didn't have to do that, yeah. but they still did it. And it comes across as, like, there was a, there was a point in the movie, basically when they're traveling, that it actually literally feels like a trailer oh really it's like you're watching a trailer in a world inside the movie kind of yeah it's like earth like people are talking and it's cutting away from them and like action is happening and then you get back and they're still talking and it's not even in that good like i'm going to describe what's going to happen yeah oceans 11 this is the plan being (laughs) executed kind of way it really feels like a trailer and that is unfortunate and really and then you hear james brown Good. Exactly, or like Green Onions, <laughs> they play those a lot yeah. on, on trailers, or like yeah. that What's This, What's This song from uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> what's this? Um, what's this? Boop, boom, boop, boom. That's what <laughs> happens every time somebody air. water bends. What's this? There's water um, everywhere. Yeah. What's this? There's everything fire here. What's um, this? <laughs> only one kid bends the air. It's really awesome. And, and, and really, that's, I think, <laughs> if I if I was going to reduce this uh this 
enormous review to one phrase. Okay. It would be, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give it two slices of meatloaf. It is not a terrible movie. It really mm-hmm. isn't. But everything that's good about it is in the show. So go back and watch the show. Yeah. If you were thinking of skipping it, skip it. If you were thinking of getting it in DVD, just put in the extra money to buy the show's DVDs. Yeah, there you go. All right. So no slices of meatloaf, two slices of meatloaf, two you slices. said? All right. Two slices. Two slices from Rodrigo. Matthew. Hi there. What did you review this week? Something something cool, I bet. The Boys 44. Oh, is this the one? Is this the new one? This is a brand new issue of oh, The Boys. Is this I meant the, to actually uh, is this the Christ week. cover issue? Uh, or is that the one no, that comes out a, this week? There's a superhero wearing a mask who's hanging in a particularly T-shaped fashion. Yes. But there is no Christ on the cover. Okay. But, you know, I'm It's because they're taking the Christ out of comics. Wait. <laughs> This is actually, I, I can sum this book up for you. Since Rodrigo sure, was long and involved, I'm going to do the end. I liked it. <laughs> okay. This book has two things going for it. All right. Huey and Butcher have a discussion where they're both lying, but they're both apologizing. And at the end, Huey's girlfriend tells him the truth. That she's uh, the superhero or that she has to blow all the uh, other heroes. The last line of the issue is, Huey, I'm a superhero. Oh, okay. And it comes right after he tells her why he doesn't like superheroes, about the death of his former girlfriend and why he can't say I love you, because as soon as he said it to his last girlfriend, a train came and turned her into a fine red mist. That would be uh, issue number one, for those of you keeping track at home. Issue number one. There's some stuff going on with the Homelander and some weirdness, but this issue is basically all about Butcher... Trying to not apologize to Huey and not tell him what he knows, and Huey finding out what Butcher knows, anyways. Uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. Very good, very strong issue. And now that the elephant in the room is clearly visible, I'm not sure where this series is going. Yeah, it has taken them a really long time to get to this point. And I mean, it's not like it's not like it was a like, come on, just get with it. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of tension to it, but right. I mean, what yep. issue is this again? 44. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, next week I'll, we'll talk about dragging things on and out for a really <laughs> long time. So what, what was it that, that you didn't like that gave it that 3.5, Matthew? Well, the art is not handled by the usual team of Derek Robertson. There is some really confusing and disturbing stuff involving the Homelander, the Superman analog, and whether he is or isn't really, you know, involved in the whole Christian, um, there's an underlying bit about a big uh, Christian rally for superheroes. Oh, okay. Where where Starlight, Huey's girlfriend, and uh, the Homelander are supposed to show up, and I kind of get the feeling that the man from Void American may have some things going on too. So it's not that it wasn't enjoyable. It's not that it wasn't a good issue. It was well above average. It wasn't just an amazing kick in the butt issue. And aside from the close, that last, you know, that last panel was a kicker. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of, oh, wow, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, for me, it's a brand new issue coming out this week. It's Robert E. Howard's Hawks of Outreamer number two. Written by Robert E. Howard and interpreted by Michael Allen Nelson, who also wrote this week's uh, The Calling 
the Cthulhu uh, Chronicles number one, which I thought was magnificent. Wasn't he also the guy who replaced Joel? Yes, that's who it is. Mike Michael Nelson replaced Joel on on MST3K. They never should have gotten rid of of Joel Robinson. So last issue we found uh, uh, Cormac Fitzjeffrey. Uh, splitting one of his enemies right down the middle across a moat with an axe, and he's riding out to uh, to find those that killed his best friend, one of the knights. And he comes upon a guy that's just basically been strung up to die, and turns out to be one of the squires of this knight. And instead of really a lot of, I mean, there's action that takes place in this issue, but it's all told via flashback, and where we learn that these two, um, I guess we'll call them lords, warlords, uh, are going to take over the country or take over the region and inst- instill themselves in power. And if this knight that, that uh, Cormac is trying to avenge, if he doesn't go along with them, they're going to kill him. They want to essentially tell him to abandon his, his king in England and follow them. But it's told in the, in the sense that um, they use a courtesan to try to tempt the knight, but he doesn't fall, but the squire does. And they set up an elaborate plot. They capture... Um, the squire and the knight, and they do kill the knight, and the squire lives, and and uh, essentially he's in love with this courtesan, and he convinces uh, Cormac to go and help him rescue the princess or help him rescue the uh, the courtesan. And what's really interesting about this story now we're two issues in, and it just seems like, and I haven't read the original source material, so maybe somebody who has can fill me in. But it seems like we're kind of being given an, a version of uh, 1001 Nights where everybody that Cormac is going to uh, to come in, in contact with is going to tell him a story that fills in the blank. And so we're just seeing the story via a series of flashbacks instead of Cormac Fitzjeffrey actually doing any, mm-hmm. any real action. Um, so that's kind of interesting, I think, in, in that sense. On the other hand, I want to see, you know, vengeance. Uh, laid upon those who who killed the knight. Maybe we'll see that in next issue. I don't know. This is another building issue. If issue one really seemed like a uh, uh, preview, you know, of what the series was about, it really should have been a zero issue. And this really feels like the first issue. So I kind of disappointed in that action. Art is still really good. Art is by uh, Damien uh, Curacero, I think is how you say his name. Um, story's fine. You know, uh, it's not fantastic. Unfortunately, but it's still good. I mean, if you're a fan of, of Robert E. Howard's work, if you like to see Conan as a as a knight, if you like to see Cole as a knight uh, in more modern times is in, during the uh, crusade period. This is a good book to read. I was I went over the you know, the first issue really blew me away, especially when he swung his battle axe and chopped that guy in half from clear across the moat. You do get some of that action here where he takes a javelin you know, or uh, I'm sorry, what's the. Uh, thing on the horse that you're a lance. at a lance and he throws it like a javelin and splits a guy you know nice. that's pretty cool um but i think i'm going to probably go with matthew here and give this three and a half out of five slices of meatloaf robert e howard dermot, dermot Mulroney sounds like a badass yeah he does 3.5 out of five stars for uh for that issue that comes out this week do check it out if, if you get a chance it's it's probably worth a buy if you're into that kind of action so cool we do have many, many, many more reviews over at the Major Spoilers website, including that retro review that we mentioned before, as well as plenty of sneak peeks of issues that are coming out this week or already in your stores, depending on when you are listening. Hello, future people! But now that we're done with reviews, let's get to the Major it's Spoilers. It's time! I was trying to pull the week. 
All right, it's time for the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, this time sent to us by one of our listeners. He wanted to see what would happen if two ghosts fought each other to the death, dun, which dun, would be dun. kind of hard since they're already yes. dead to begin with. So if ghosts could be tangible enough to fight each other and could die once again, who would win in the Major Spoilers Spooktacular Poll of the Week? <laughs> uh, would it be the do, ghost... You you didn't realize that you can't actually use spectacular, right? Sure, I mean, can. when the Brit Spa Zoo uses a phrase to describe their Halloween period, you know, the, like you can't actually use it and expect people to go, like, "Oh, that's clever." Got got you to laugh. Yeah. Spectacular poll of the week. Would it be the ghost of Richie Rich, aka Casper the Friendly Ghost, or would it be that uh, that very funny Slimer Ghost? From Ghostbusters, the animated series. Not Ghostbusters, the movie, uh, but Ghostbusters, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, go. Well, I think that Casper is a friendly ghost because in life he had a lot of issues. Yes. So in death, he's trying to kind of make up for it. I mean, it makes sense. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't be a ghost. Right. So clearly there's a lot of repressed guilt there, which I think would be unleashed <laughs> upon Slimer <laughs> when Slimer accidentally you know, uh, started trying to, I don't know, eat a sandwich that right. Richie... So are you trying to sell me on the, the concept of Casper the Friendly Ghost of Tupac? <laughs> yeah, something Cause. like that. <laughs> um, pretty much, because, wow. you know, then I Quite can totally see Casper, like, being like, oh, I'm going to make it up to... <laughs> Big East family, so I will take get them all dinner, you know, I'll go to Boston Market and get get some nice sandwiches and stuff for everybody, and I will bring it to them. And then Slimers are like, and he eats them, and Casper's like, oh, no, you're going to die. Oh, no. Oh, no, you you (laughs) You didn't. didn't. (laughs) Another phrase that is completely trite, by the way, Stephen. Yes, but still gets a laugh. Yeah, I guess so. So you're going with Casper. I'm going with Casper. I think there's a lot more to Casper than people think. All right, Matthew. Hi there. Having read hundreds of thousands of Casper comics and never really watched the real Ghostbusters, because why? I have an interesting take on this, because I'm looking at it. Of course you do. I'm really, 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 really familiar with one character, and really, really, really not familiar with the other. Okay. So I chose Slimer. Why is that? Because, well, unlike Rodrigo's theory... (laughs) of thug afterlife um (laughs) i think that i look at casper as casper is a friendly ghost because casper was a friendly boy and you know the reason he died is because he stepped into a friendly van and was possibly (laughs) stuffed in a friendly sack and tossed in the friendly river but slimer on the other hand and and this is actually mentioned in the comics slimer has a very specific genesis when he was created for the movie Mm mm-hmm so I like the fact that that Slimer is designed basically as kind of a, a human need taken to extreme, whereas Casper is the need to be, oh, it's, sure, it's good to see you. Slimer's just going to be, it's, you know, I think Slimer may be the ghost of Cookie Monster, actually. <laughs> that makes sense. That does make yeah. sense. Silver Gray, this is the person who sent us the uh, poll. He says, Casper always struck me as having more higher brain functions than Slimer. Problem-solving-wise, Casper might be able to figure out a way to get Slimer trapped faster than Slimer uh, would him. Slimer is more animalistic in thinking, so he'd be more ferocious. But 
in the end, Casper still gets to make out with uh, Christina Ricci, and that's got to count for something. <laughs> it's going to count for two things. <laughs> Slimer, his mouth is bigger than Casper's whole body, says uh, Rob. Litany of Thieves says Slimer would win, but only if Casper didn't have a chance to explain himself before the Ghostbusters proton pack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shredded his intangible behind. <laughs> Light him up! <laughs> I went, uh, I went well, with hello, Slimer. Hello, fellas! <laughs> <laughs> I went with Slimer, too, Golly. just because uh, I just thought that he would be a little bit more animalistic and, and probably would take Casper mm-hmm. to task. Can't we just be friends? <laughs> I'm telling yes. you, Casper right. would just lose it. All right. He would lose it. <laughs> <laughs> The idea that cast maybe he's the ghost of Ed Norton. <laughs> no and more, he would Mr. Just, okay. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So, what are the poll? What's the poll sitting at right now, Matthew? Right now, I'm showing 279 votes, and as I refresh, there may be more. A vast majority of the callers who are not calling. Ooh, 280 votes now. Woohoo! 79 percent of the vote behind Slimer. Who, let's be honest here, is probably, even though he's 25 years retro, he's probably more uh, contemporary than Casper, who gets 21% of the vote, which is still, you know, 60 people. But I think that Slimer may also have the whole thing of uh, 80s cartoons are awesome now, and everybody who grew up in the 80s is like, this is the best time to grow up ever. When I grow up, I wanted to be Snake Eyes' son and have Soundwave live next door. (laughs) Honestly, though, I think that if today somebody was like, if if a bunch of execs who had never seen Ghostbusters or even the cartoon were, were looking at the property and they were going to make a brand new cartoon about it, it would just be the Slimer show. Yes, it would. And, they, and it would be like a SpongeBob SquarePants kind yes. of thing. Yes. Who lives in a pineapple under your bed? Slimer. All right, everybody. You can head over major spoilers. Cast your vote. Uh, just kind of a follow-up to last week. Did I already mention that uh, 1,400 people voted in that uh, Wonder Woman's Costume change one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy 51% said they liked the new costume. 49% said they didn't like the costume. Hmm. Margin of error, plus or minus 2%. Nice. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will be talking about X-Men Supernovas. In the sky. Okay, we've got a lot to get through on today's 61-second review of Shrek 4 uh, Ever After. So I'm going to do a quick plot summary, and then we're going to go into the review. So quick plot summary. Shrek is getting fed up of his life. He wants to feel like a proper ogre again because he has the babies now. So he signs a deal with Rumpelstiltskin that makes him an ogre for a day. Basically, he messes things up and he finds out that he has 24 hours to kiss his true love or he will die. There's the plot and in 61 seconds I will review it starting from now. First, Shrek was very good, very sticking it to Disney, ironic. The conversations, the script was great. Shrek the second kind of lost the script. It wasn't as funny, but it was still great. And Shrek the third, it went rapidly out of steam, but it was still funny. Here's the problems with Shrek the fourth. One, Rodrigo said it best when he said, With the abysmal box office performance of Shrek the 19th, people are fed up with fairy tale pastiches. And this is yet another fairy tale pastiche. And they've done so many now that it is getting tiresome and it has run out of steam. The joke's burnt out, basically. Point number two, I don't care anymore. Shrek could die. I don't care. I only cared when Antonio Banderas and Eddie Murphy came on and did their thing. Give me Puss and Donkey for 93 minutes, which, by the way, is mercifully short. Point the third. 
it's not as funny as it should be. There's less of that ironic, witty humour that was in the first one. They've traded it out for a lot more punchy, punchy, slappy, slappy. And there is actually, point number four, a lot of 3D pointy, pointy action. So, in summary, it's not funny enough, it's not intelligent enough, and it's cobbled together at the last minute. So I, I give it two slices of meatloaf, as much as I love <laughs> Shrek and all that. And so, don't go and see it in 3D, but if you're a completist like me, you'll go and see it in 2D and you'll be thoroughly disappointed. I'm sorry. So, follow me on the Twitter at the Dexter 102 If you have any opinions about Shrek Forever After or what you want me to review on the website soon, then please contact me on the Dexter102's review section of the forums. I'd love to hear your opinions. Peace and love. Happy birthday, Ringo Starr, by the way. Hello, Major Spoilers. This is Heath from Pittsburgh. I'm calling to get some, give my input on X-Men Supernovas. Uh, big fan of Chris Pachalo, the artist, as well as uh, Gary, the writer. Um, this story was kind of eh. Uh, the villains weren't very threatening, but I love this team. It's a team with Cable and Rogue and Iceman and Cannonball and some of my favorite X-Men characters with some villains like Mystique and Sabretooth and uh, Lady Mastermind. I guess my only complaint would be when the eventual uh, betrayal comes. You know, there we go. Spoiler. It's not that surprising. I mean, you have a team pretty much stocked full with villains. Anyway, um, this was one of the last interesting X-Men plots that I really read. I really enjoyed what went with the Messiah Complex and how this led up to it. Um, but the, the Supernova trade itself probably only gets about, you know, three out of five slices of meatloaf. Anyway, thanks, guys, for all the hard work in the website and the podcast. Thanks. Seriously? <laughs> yes. It's 2010. <laughs> yeah, but the Smurfs movie is coming out. I guess so. You don't yeah, like the, the Smurfs? Bridge it over. I, I think that Smurfette is the only girl Smurf jokes have been done. <laughs> oh, yes, well, but there's Smurf a... is the only girl. I wonder what happens there. It's like, oh my God, seriously? But there's a whole Talk new about group the of, snorks uh... or something. <laughs> well, that may be the next place they go and visit. But there's a whole new group Smurfs. of uh, high schoolers that have never been exposed to the Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Smurfs reproduce by laying eggs. Is that how they reproduce? As far as I'm concerned. I thought Gargamel created them. No, Gargamel created Smurfette. Oh, that's right. Right. There are no naturally occurring female Smurfs. That's right. All Smurfs who are actually there are falsified here's, for some reason. Here's my theory about Smurfs. Here's what, here's what I think Smurfs actually are. Okay. I think that Smurfs are actually just ambulatory spore pods for those <laughs> mushrooms. Like, it is just part of their life cycle. Those mushrooms bud into Smurfs. Yeah. And then that's why Papa Smurf's uh, pants and hat are red. Yeah. Because he's getting close to just planting his roots down and turning, and turning into, into a mushroom, mushroom yeah, which will then that. will bud more Smurfs. That's almost as uh, as logical as Matthew's thought that uh, Cars is really a post-apocalyptic yeah. uh yeah. Spirits of the dead inhabiting cars. Yep. Cars is a post-apocalyptic wasteland where the humans have basically been dis- discorporated and their spirits took on their, their strongest avatar, the thing that they had the largest interaction with. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> well, believe this is a true theory, though. All right, I mean, what do, you, what do you love more than your car? 
everybody, welcome back to the show. Now you know what's going on while we're listening to all these other people with their comments and call-ins. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to uh, to whoever and whoever that you are that called in. We appreciate everybody who calls in. We Especially, also like you know, the part where you said, hey, that was a good. I, I do appreciate the fact that somebody actually called in with some comments about uh, our topic this week, X-Men Supernovas. Mm-hmm. So why don't we get into it, Rodrigo? This was your pick. Yes. Please explain you. to me. Yes, exactly. Please explain to me why we read X-Men Supernovas in a trade paperback. Okay. Yes, explain to us why we read... <laughs> well, um, I will I will explain to you why we read X-Men Supernovas. The reason why we read X-Men Supernovas is because um, I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't like it? No. Oh, okay. Um, well, that, that changes everything. <laughs> See, because... I don't know if you guys have caught this, but usually I suggest books that I didn't like. Yeah, but you uh, always recommend those uh, the dinosaur books. Yeah, I recommended one. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Yeah, I did. Okay, all right. But now, I mean, you, now, no, you, well, now you torture well, us with the, X-Men. Well, here's the other Supernovas. thing, though. You guys usually just ignore my suggestions <laughs> anyway. That's why there aren't too many books on record that I've suggested. <laughs> um, so, yeah, X-Men Supernovas... Um, I don't know. I'd hate to just make this whole issue about me uh, complaining. Okay, so why don't you summarize the three different stories that are contained in this one book called X-Men Supernovas. Okay. There's three different arcs. Yeah. Plus an annual, which doesn't really need to be in there. Right. Okay, so the storyline, the first, someplace in Latin America gets blown up. Real good. Real good. And the X-Men get blamed for it because a little girl says so. The X-Men did Um, it. Therefore, it must be true. Yes. Meanwhile, Sabretooth, dot, dot, dot. I mean, because why not? Um, Well, here's a problem. For somebody that doesn't read uh X-Men, my last real exposure to X-Men, beyond just looking at pretty pictures, was back in the 90s. Right. You know, during the whole, what is that, Mojo Robot? Oh, Mojo World. Yeah, Mojo World thing and the introduction of Cable and all that stuff. I don't know what the heck Sabretooth's real name is. Oh, Creed, yeah. All throughout, they keep talking about Creed, 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 Creed. Yeah. Oh, no, his name's Sabretooth. What? So I really don't like the fact that they keep flipping back. I know it makes it more real, with air yeah. quotes, to use real names and code names. Right. But for someone who's just trying to jump in, no, thank you. No, I, I and I get that. I'll, I definitely, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where they, I get the sense that this whole arc really expects you to have been following the X-Men oh, yeah. for a while. Because they, it is not accessible. It, I mean, if They you never don't, talk about North Star and uh, what's the crap is his sister's the, name? The twins, the, yeah. the North Star North twins. North Star and Aurora. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what, what the heck M-Day is. Is that when... Uh, that's when all the mutants lost their powers. Well, yeah, but was that because Scarlet of uh, Scarlet Witch did oh, her yep, M-World yep, thing? Yep, yep. Okay. Read my lips. No new mutants. Why are there sentinels around Xavier's school for gifted children? Ah, uh, that, that I don't remember. That came out of the uh, M Day thing. The government decided that they were going to protect the mutants, and they created the O N E, the Office of National Something or Other. And War Machine led this group of sentinels to protect those last remaining mutants against outgoing threats. Ah, in theory. okay, all right. Okay, it was almost sixteen months ago, which means that for all intents and purposes, it never happened. Yeah. Okay. That's so that, those are it, a lot of back it, and issue it feels questions. like nine years ago. Those, those are questions right. that if you're a new reader, you're and you've never read X Men before. Those are questions that you are going to have. Definitely. If you're a new reader and you've never read X Men before, you're not going to read X Men for long. 
Well, yeah. that's kind of how I felt by the time I got to the end of this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, as it turns out, uh, Sabretooth is kind of the key to figuring out that there's this brand new threat that the X-Men must contend with. Oh, no, a new threat? Yes, a new threat. What a kind of threat would that be? Oh, no! never-before-seen threat. A never-before-seen threat? That's right. Now, unlike every never-before-seen threat that happens before, this never-before-seen threat is not the next step in human mutant evolution. Right. No, no, because that's been done. Yes. These guys are more powerful than mutants, but it's because they are, like, I don't know, nanite guys well, they, that they've were raised been, in a ship. Yeah, they were raised self-contained <sighs> in, a, in a, some kind of a time sphere. Evolutionary of, time sphere uh, Evolutionary ship. time evolution shift. Something evolution right. the mystery. So essentially what's happened is these people have been locked away for, what, five or six years or something. Right. But and meanwhile, in that time, yeah, they've been evolving... Incredibly like 6,000 years. Right. So they have 6,000 years And learning to speak broken Spanish. Yes. They've got 6,000 we'll years of evolution. That. And they think Trust they are what? They're not homo superior. They are, what are they? I don't know. <laughs> they are whatever. They're homo, um, fabulous. <laughs> they are whatever they are. Right? They're, far, they're as far beyond mutants as mutants are Exactly. Beyond. And, and really that's what it comes down to is that I remember... They're, I don't think it well, was Claremont. Uh, scientists believe that the devil has now been overtaken by the super devil. That's right. Um, do you, do you, Matthew? Do you, did you ever read it when the Neo came out? Yeah, with the third Thunderbird, the uh, yeah, Eastern uh, Thunderbird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these and guys like, were they were just like the Neo. They were just to me. They felt like the Marauders. Yeah, from old school. It, it it's just you know. Every once in a while, X-Men trots out a few things, and those things hey, are, oh, no, you didn't know this about Charles Xavier, and oh, wait, these are more than mutants, and these are these are more powerful even than what you already knew. I, right. I will say this. I do like these super mutants, or the supernovas. Uh-huh. You know, they burst onto the scene, and they've got some pretty kick-ass powers. There's this one girl, uh, what's her name, Seraphin? Seraphina? Right. Seraphina. And, uh, and she has the ability to uh, uh, use her little cables to tap into your brain and make you believe things and because she's so far remu- removed from even the mutants she wants to see what it's like to experience to be real human so she jacks into cannonball i guess is who it is mm-hmm. and uh who can i, I don't just say that jacks yeah. into cannonball sounds really hey, that's the whole point because she's there trying to experience what it's like to have a kid or have a family or have a normal life and so in the span of like five minutes she, he believes, Cannonball believes that he's gone through 20 plus years of marriage with this woman, hmm. and she keeps erasing memories of things that aren't working. Like, he keeps saying, hey, how did we meet? Oh, well, let's go to the doctor and let's see if you got a brain tumor. Hey, didn't we used to have kids that were like 10 years old? Oh, no, 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 that must be your brain tumor again, or whatever. Yep. Uh, of course, Wolverine comes in and saves the day and saves that, but, you know, I think there are some interesting characters that come out of that Supernova's bit, but here we have a 12-issue trade paperback, mm-hmm. or however many issues it is. And the Supernova's line is done in six issues. Yep. Three issues. I don't need it. I don't, I've got it here on my uh, iPad. That's right. I'm Steven. I have at, it on the iPad. And let me just say this. He has it at the touch of his finger. Uh, Supernova's is available via the Marvel App Store. You can download the six issues. Actually, you can download the whole Supernova's trade uh, via the Marvel App Store, which I did. Except are, for you, the, uh, are you threatening me? Except for the 2007 annual, which is included in here. Right. But, uh, you know, there's a really big fight scene that blows up. Essentially, they take this... Uh, giant ship, and they fly it through the air, and they're going to threaten to drop it right on top of uh, the Xavier Institute. Mm-hmm. And the X Men stop them. Well, not the X Men, because really it's Rogue, and she's allowed. Scott Summers has said, "Hey, you can have anybody you want in your team." Okay, I want on my team Cannonball. 
I want on my team um, Iceman. Iceman. I want on my team uh, Sabretooth, uh, Mystique, and who else? Lady Mastermind. Uh, Lady, Lady Mastermind. Mastermind. Yes. Uh, that Omega Sentinel kid and oh, Cable. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, that's yeah. And Cable. So, you know, except for Rogue, Iceman, and uh, Sabretooth, I got no idea who any of these other people are. Maybe Mystique if you've seen the X-Men movie. Right. So, now, Cable, is, that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? For um, on the one hand, it's kind of good, but I don't know what the Omega girl, I mean, she's hot because there's some scenes where she's in some interesting like poses. bent over a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She spends a lot. a lot of time bent over a computer. Yeah, and, you know, I, so I think that there's some interesting characters, but I have no idea who, I mean, yes, I read, barely read Cable back in the 90s, but I mm-hmm. quickly forgot it, thank God. Yeah. Right? So I don't remember what Cable's powers are, and apparently he doesn't have the powers that he had in the 90s. Right, right. Cannonball, don't know anything about him. Don't I really don't. He's even, a cannonball, dude. I he really don't Bleh. understand what his powers really are. Um, do you want? Do you want to? No, I really don't. Okay. Um, cannonball has the power to fly. No, no, really the air don't understand. I said I don't really care. <laughs> so on the one hand, having a mix of unfamiliar X Men is interesting, but because we're dropped into this story where you're expected to know who they are anyway, mm-hmm. is really really difficult. And again, this is this is several. This is two arcs and an annual that aren't really all that related that are together as one thing. And for me, as an X-Men reader for good, Laird of Mighty, uh, the first issue of X-Men that I ever bought chronologically in order was 174, where Madeline Pryor came back as the Phoenix. And the whole issue was a reference to something that I'd never read and didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. So this is my X-Men experience is if I'm going to read X-Men, it's probably going to be about something that I don't know what it's about. But the whole Children of the Vault arc, with one exception that I'll get to in a moment, was very familiar. And if you were to trade out, you know, you trade out Cable for Colossus and you trade out Cannonball for Nightcrawler and you trade out, you know, Mystique for Storm. And this might as well have been Chris Claremont doing the classic exactly. seven X-Men, exactly. you know, back in, in issue 150. Are you talking Dark Mirror Saga or whatever it is? I'm talking, you know, back the Dark Phoenix Saga oh, okay. around the time of the days of well, future Well, then this Pat. must be I mean, the issue that Mark Wade was talking about. He must have finally this read this like and said, I'm not of, reading. Probably, that's probably He maybe it. is behind on his reading. No, he, this, is, this was issue number, this was uh, story number 372. <laughs> Before he got to the 400th sto- <laughs> version of the story that got him right. upset. Rico does say another Dark Mirror storyline for the X-Men, but with a twist. Instead of fighting what any mutants, they're fighting people that have been evolved into the future. The story is interesting in that the children of the vault are all Latinos. And while the fact that they are bad guys, or rather amoral kids with a relatively well-deserved superiority complex... Uh, hurts the fact that I don't know of another Latino faction in Marvel or DCU with this much power. And uh, he also goes on to say, this has to be one of the creepiest relationships in X-Men history, to me at least, between Mystique and Iceman. Mystique is at least 110 years old. Iceman is the same age as his adoptive daughter, Rogue. What? As her adoptive daughter, Rogue. I'm sorry. No, Iceman is considerably older than Rogue. Okay. Well, or at least he was at first. I well, mean, he's considerably rogue. He's considerably younger than Mystique. Really, right. who cares? Not in the way that yes. they're drawn, right? right. Which kind of goes back to something that uh, we were talking about earlier about, uh, and really in this book we got uh, Buchalo's art. We've mm-hmm. got Her- uh, Humberto Ramos's art, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody else is doing the art in this. 
And I yet, think wasn't there Humberto Ramos in there? Yeah, he was Humberto Ramos, uh, which did I think it was the second or th- uh, he did Brooks. the last story arc, and then Brooks who might have done the annual. Um, yeah. But you know, people are always complaining about you know here Ed Norton is the only true Bruce Banner. Well, every month you pick up a new creative team on an X Men book, you're getting a new look to Mystique, to yeah. Rogue, and, to all of these people, and 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 this and is nobody blinks, and and well. I blinked because you know what? It's clear. <laughs> hey, Humberto it's, Ramos art, yummy. It's clear that it was Chris Bacallo or whatever who designed the the Vault Kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which oh, means yeah. that when anybody else draws them, they look weird Wrong. and not right. Right, because yep. they are supposed to be like. Their heads are supposed to be like two thirds of their bodies, and they have to have enormous hands and like really skinny limbs. Yeah. So when you actually skin that over an actual person or something that's a little closer to actual anatomy, it looks weird. Like if you look at Serafina during the whole like cannonball thing, mm-hmm. she looks like she's in her pajamas. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Why? I don't know. It's it's the, there's an interesting component to the Supernovas book, which I mm-hmm. liked, but. You know, you gave me this trade and said, here's Steven X-Men Supernovas. I'm like, okay, I'm expecting 12 issues of Supernovas. Right. Not six issues of Supernovas, yeah. and then mm-hmm. a, a, an annual, and then three-issue arc of this, and then a three-issue arc of this. Yeah. You know, I want 12 issues of Supernovas, and I understand that maybe it's not done that way, but that is one of the problems that I had with this book. Now, going back to what Rico is saying, this uh, relationship between Mystique and Iceman, there's really mm-hmm. a relationship there. He melted. He's never come back from steam before, mm-hmm. so he coalesces back into a body. He's having trouble breathing, and she breathes into him. Right. And yet, nobody's saying that there's a relationship. Well, they do kind develops. of make out later, don't they? Do they? I, yeah, maybe I, like, maybe I, I believe that, that there was a relationship that developed out of She this, doesn't look but... 110 years old, and believe me, um, <laughs> there are 21-year-olds that look a lot older. Uh-huh. Now, let's just let put me, it that way. Let me put it to you this way. Scott and Gene... <laughs> And the angel and the beast are considered to be in their late 20s. I'd say 27, 28, whatever. Iceman was a founding frickin' member of the X-Men. He was about a year or two behind them in school. Iceman is not the same age as Rogue. Rogue is 20. Iceman is at least 26. There is a difference. Well, and and no, that's that's only true in the X-Matthew-verse. Yeah. Because... Uh, Unfortunately, and, and and this is not, of course, not an attack on Matthew. Right, oh, when yes, new writers is. come in, how dare you? <laughs> when new writers come in, um, they age and de-age and and treat the characters in different ways. Right? Rogue is, you know, because of what she's been through, is written. I significantly she was the same age as Sookie. Well, <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, Rogue was the. Like Rogue was the Kitty Pride ones, just right. like you know, right. Jubilee was the Kitty Pride ones, right? And now they're Rogue was actually one of the few that has actually managed to get out of that, yeah. Um, whereas Kitty Pride, they keep trying to say, "Oh, well, let's just make her an adult like all the other X Men," and they're like, "No, I still like my younger Kitty Pride, yeah. right? Exactly." Now, okay, um, we'll continue this, but I, at one point, I, I do want to talk about. This X-Men book versus X-Men number one that Matthew and I reviewed this past week and The Death of Dracula, which I also had a chance to read, mm-hmm. both set in the Marvel Universe and dealing with, apparently, the X-Men portion of the Marvel Universe. You know, what's amazing is here's 6,000 years of evolution and these guys get taken down 
like that. Yep. You know, there's some bang, zoom, pow, pow, but the next thing you know, and I don't even remember how it happens, they're done for. Yep. Well, Stephen, the reason for that is that this book is poorly written. <laughs> and I hate to really? just come out and say that. Really? But it's like an awesome setup for a book, and this book doesn't even have that awesome a setup, or at least it's the third time that we've seen this awesome setup. Fourth. Um, we'll say three and a half. We'll compromise. Um, that doesn't mean that this story is going to be good if it's not well written. And let's just, I'm just going to take a second to continue ranting in a different direction. Okay, go ahead. So uh, Rico brought up that these guys are supposed to be Latinos. So, of course, they speak Spanish, right? Well, but do they, I was going to ask, do they speak any good Spanish? Oh, God, no. It's terrible. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I could tell that their Spanish was, was <laughs> vaya con queso. Like the, uh, just like within the first, I think within the first issue. Yeah, there's the um, little Spanish girl thing. There's a the little X-Men Spanish girl. Yeah. And uh, where is she? At the end of issue one, the X-Men did it. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't find it. Oh, here it is. It's actually an issue two when they interview her. Is uh, the only survivor is this little girl found wandering at the edge of the crater. Um, so she says, uh, "Lanzaron una bola y entonces todo salió," which is supposed to mean they threw a ball and then everything was gone. But really, what it says is they threw a ball and then everything left. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that's not too far off from the translation. Once again, Marvel, if you're needing a translation for your for your Latino characters, Rodrigo Lopez. He's more than happy um, or, to... Uh, or at the very least, not Babblefish. <laughs> yes. Um, there's also another great one where... I didn't get after, that they were Latino characters. After she... Really? Just because they're in South America and they speak Spanish doesn't mean they're Latino. And the Spanish names? Oh, yeah, which are also terrible. Serafina. Yes. Um, yeah, Angel the, and how come, Chain how, how come and that, Fire. First off, how come that one guy isn't named Aqua? Agua. Isn't named Agua? Yeah, isn't he? What's his name? Uh, the water guy. The water is named Sangre, which oh, is just yeah, yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, Aguja is needle. Serafina is actually like, it's like supposed to be like Seraph, mm-hmm. but there are act, like nobody. I'm pretty sure in the Bible there are no female Seraphs, so there's right. no actual female version of the word Seraph mm-hmm. in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she could have just been called. Serafine, mm-hmm. but of course I call her Serafina, which is like, I don't know. It's and she got to put the A on the end because she's a female. It's because made she's up. a girl. Uh, oh, and this is great. She's, she's, I think what she's trying to say is, I'm sorry, Sangre. I couldn't resist. But it's like, I have, it's like, I, it's kind of like she's saying, she says, me disculpo, Sangre, no puedo oponerme, which kind of comes across as, I excuse myself, like she's leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, like, get in the way. Mm, okay. Like, she's saying resist as in a truck is coming towards you yeah. and hits you. <laughs> Do you resist that impact? <laughs> right. See. It's just like, and that, we've talked about this before, that yes. just launches me a yeah. hundred miles it, out of this book. It makes, well, it, they're trying to make these characters... Me seem exotic and intelligent and mysterious. Yes, and but... to me, they might as well have sombreros with little tassels hanging from them. <laughs> well, when, when the, when the, the Kansas is, Gringo though... looks at it and goes, oh my God, that's so wrong. Es muy mal. Let me put it to you that way. I 
was bothered by the naming, first of all. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like it's like they're just, uh, this guy's named Pavement, and this guy's well, Paycheck. There's, there's, a guy, there's a guy named Perro. There's a guy named Perro. Dog. His name is just Dog. But see, see this, I, is, the thing that, this head, is the thing that I don't see them as. Well, this is, uh, there's some missed opportunities here because, first of all, they've got 6,000 years of evolution. And in 6,000 years, they're speaking really bad Spanish. Maybe because they're in the modern times, they're trying to dummy down their their language so therefore it's like whenever i talk to a three-year-old yeah you know kind of kind of language so maybe you could do that but really six thousand years of evolution you haven't developed your own language that yeah, no exactly. one should be able like, to understand they shouldn't be speaking everything English everything should be in Spanish. everything should be in carrots you know yep. and saying translated from six thousand years of evolution right that's right. The, i guess that's my whole thing so to say that they they're latino is just uh, just because they speak a different they speak spanish makes them latino no well and that's the other thing is that one guy's a, a i think a, a water guy another guy's a I fire think, guy i think what's funny about this book is that it accidentally supports the uh earth x future of the marvel universe oh really <laughs> because apparently if you evolve anything long enough it just turns into a mutant mm. yeah well and Another thing that, that kind of bothered me, and this is really an underlying thing. I I don't know if, if y'all live where I live, because you kind of do. Uh, there is an awful lot of um, force to deal with diversity in, in Topeka, Kansas on a daily basis. And there are people who are not good at dealing with this. And the whole thing of after 6,000 years of evolution, they're all going to be speaking Spanish just feels weirdly backhandedly racist to me. You know, like the, the, the theory that it, it would have been worse if it had been Chinese, but the theory that somehow 6,000 years from now, everyone's going to be speaking Spanish. I don't know why that hit me as just sort of a, wow, that's almost um, an offensive honestly, statement. If I you think look what at it they like were that. getting at is that when the experiment was first conducted, it was conducted in Latin America. So yeah, the original that. people that were maybe. put in there maybe were all Spanish speakers. Go back and, and read. Think, go Go back and read Shakespeare from, what, 400, 600 years ago. And see how much of that English you un- actually right. understand. So I suppose uh, it's actually what's was it? Carey who wrote this? Is that the? I don't know. Yeah, writer? Mike Carey. Um, maybe maybe he's making this very broad, like this this very like acute statement, saying that in six thousand years language will change so much that, that everybody will just speak like Spanish. just like the. Uh, the people in Elizabethan England would say, what are these plebeians speaking? People that speak Spanish nowadays would listen to this and say, well, this just sounds like somebody ran it through Babblefish. <laughs> what? So we're talking about six issues out of a 12 plus issue arc. We haven't even gotten into the other two stories. Yeah. Uh, they defeat the supernovas very quickly and, and surprise very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Here they are supposed cable, to be. Cable goes and basically beats them. I guess. I don't, I don't even remember how they got beat. So the second story is some annual about how we're going to repair the uh, the North Star twins and they go the Bobier twins which I kind of like how they they thought that they could repair their uh their damaged psyches by running their whole life through a simulator mm-hmm. so that they're making good choices instead of bad mm-hmm. uh to be honest with you I didn't finish that annual I, I really didn't couldn't get through the whole story thought it was really bad too it, uh Exodus comes back for no reason next story arc we have this is one thread that does start to run throughout the entire series. Some some Genesis. dead guy shows up at the gates of the X-Mansion and dies. Apparently he's been dead for quite a while and walked all the way across the country to collapse at their feet. And it's it's some uh, splicing of genes and miles. what happened to the Omega Girl and, and uh, Mastermind, what happened to them. And they start to hear these stories about this guy named Pan 
And so they go after this guy named Pan. And it's still, it's not your traditional X team. It's still uh, the rogues team. Mm-hmm. And they go after this Pan guy who's in India, uh, who's doing gene splicing. Or I guess he's trying to uh, acquire rogue powers so that he can absorb mutant powers and become one of the most important mutants of all time, or the more powerful mutants of all time. The twist here is that Sabretooth jumps in, and Pan uh, is all hooked out, and I've got all the powers in the world. I will simply absorb your mutant powers because I can always add more invulnerability to my power. And then all of a sudden he starts losing his power. What's right. going on? What, what, what? Well, and, and, and the thing is, is that, and, and that is the one thing that is actually kind of clever, I found. I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, not necessarily the, the way that they not beat the him, villain. but the fact that, you know, they set it up. He's he's basically infected himself with a giving you powers virus. Right. right. So then, when he absorbs Sabretooth's pow- uh, regeneration and uh, increased healing, his own body kills the giving you powers yes. virus. Yes. And thus, he becomes a normal person. Sabretooth. I thought though, that was clever. But Sabretooth though doesn't seem to be that clever. Is he a clever person or is he more brutish and thuggish as a uh, character? He's, he's shrewd. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was. Like it, it's not a surprise then that this guy comes around and says, "Ha." Gotcha. Yeah, and and here's the thing, and and this is important. It's it's kind of like how, um, how incredibly smart Lex Luthor has to be to deal with Superman, somebody who is clearly so powerful, right? Because Sabretooth is Wolverine's like even darker mirror, right? They've made him progressively smarter, progressively more like evil and nasty and yeah. weird. Yeah. As Wolverine becomes weirder, mm-hmm. um, so by this point. Um, he's, you know, a really clever, he's, you know, he's like figuring out the best way to kill you clever mm-hmm. at any given point. Like, okay. He, he can take you down because that's how his brain works. Mm-hmm. Like if you hand him a word problem, mm-hmm. he'd probably just figure out how to kill you and kill right. you with the word problem. I guess the problem with this arc to me kind of goes back to, uh, Matthew's problem with Batman. It seems to be this problem was solved by the complacency of the writer. Yeah. And then the third arc. Couldn't even tell you what's happening. Some oh, yeah. mutant. Some mutant. Uh, I don't. Do you remember? Please, Matthew, explain the story to me. Please explain the third arc to me with this Cree uh, scroll virus or something that's coming in and and trying to kill people and and attacks Paradise Island and Mister uh, Rourke. Paradise I mean, Mister Rourke. I mean, uh, uh, Cable Providence can't Island. do anything. Yes. Well, apparently, at this point in time, Cable was out floating on an island. Now, now, a couple of years later, that's silly, and Cyclops is out floating on an island. Right. And there's an alien, and there's another alien, and I don't know. Now, Rodrigo, what do you got? Okay. Do you guys remember the... No, I don't. The quietly... No, we, we did it. We oh, read, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. read yes. uh, that X-Men arc. Yes. Okay. Do you remember Dark what Phoenix Cassandra arc. Nova was? No. Yeah, okay. she was a That's what this virus. is. She was that giant psychic. That's that's what this is. Oh, okay. It's kind of like the return of it. Oh, okay. Um, so they just kind of punch it in the face for a while and kill it. I mean, they just you know. Yeah. Again, I didn't understand. See, there's there's no there's no menace. I I I don't know what it was. Cannonball shoots in there and beats it up, and then no, it's like Lady Mastermind makes like another version of it to destroy. Oh, and then Cable gets his psychic powers back. Cable, like, yeah, Cable absorbs it into himself, and it gives him his psychic powers back. Um, so I guess maybe somebody like whoever was writing X-Men or, you know, the, the, the editor in chief was like, Hey, we want to do this Messiah complex here, like a, like two years down the road. So I think you can give Cable his powers back. And he was like, yeah, just give me two issues. Yeah. And so he does. 
I think it's three, isn't it? Or is it two? Maybe. Anyway. Uh, now, th- and here's the thing. Here's here's what's kind of unfortunate about this. is like Cable gets his powers back and, in my eyes, becomes a lame character again because the only time that I've ever liked Cable is when he goes bonkers and starts basically <laughs> raising his own island, trying to give himself powers again by, like, stealing all this technology and Deadpool gets involved back when Deadpool getting involved was actually interesting. Yeah. I mm-hmm. Okay. This past week I read two Marvel titles. I read The Death of Dracula number 1 and I read the new X-Men number 1, which mm-hmm. I guess somehow ties into The Death of Dac- Dracula, but I still haven't figured out how it and why. It will all make sense in the end. I'm sure it will. So, The Death of Dracula is a vampire story. It doesn't have any mutants in it. Mm-hmm doesn't feature Blade in it. There's no mention of Blade. They use a lot of crazy names, which may or may not be vampires. Obviously, the Nosferatu clan, uh, people who've seen that uh, are familiar with that. White Wolf oh. gonna get mad. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a vampire story. You can read this as a vampire story. Right. If you didn't, If you didn't have the Marvel logo on there, I wouldn't even know that this was a Marvel title. Right. So it's really well done because somebody who knows nothing about the Marvel Universe but likes vampires, can pick up this issue and read it and understand vampires. Mm -hmm. Now, X-Men number one. I kind of mentioned this a little bit in the Dueling Review. There's Wolverine. There is Cyclops. There is... um, uh, uh, um, Jubilee. Jubilee. And then there's some pixie girl who's really not really an important character. And then there's some vampires who you really don't care about because they're vampires, right? Right. They're the opposite. At least if you know who some of these characters are... The rest of them, I don't know, Matthew, who this doc, the white doctor was with the, the mask and everything. What's That's his name? Dr. Nemesis. He's uh, the, part of the X Club. And who's the girl with the dot on her head? The doctor? That's uh Mora? That's the girl from Joss Whedon's run on Astonishing X-Men. That's Dr. Kavita Rao, the girl who created the cure for mutants. All I know is that they're doctors. Don't need to know their backstory. And sure. in X-Men yeah. number one, the backstory on a lot of these characters, except for Jubilee is not even really touched on. You either know who they are or you don't. You, If you know who Cyclops is and you know who Wolverine is, and let's face it, most people have seen the, the X-Men movie, movie right. so you know who they are. Jubilee, you don't really know who she is or what her powers are because she doesn't have powers, right. and that's the whole point of this issue, until she becomes infected with vampire virus. <gasps> Vampirus. And, and that's all you need to know about issue one. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about good jumping on points for X-Men people, X-Men number one in my opinion, as someone who doesn't really understand X-Men, although I am surprised I was able to name off most of those oh, yeah. good guys in I there. Have a good job. Um, I think that X-Men number one is a really good jumping on point to mm-hmm. read X-Men, or to at least get familiar with it until it all changes in six months. Right. Now, granted, unless you know anything about the uh, sanctuary, about everybody moving to San Francisco, mm-hmm. because they're different, um, that part may not make any sense. Why they're on an island, that part may not make any sense. Uh, but it's not central to the story. When you pick up X-Men Supernovas, you are expected to know a whole wealth of Marvel Universe continuity. Not just X-Men continuity, but Marvel Universe continuity. And and really, this this uh group of stories and and really just from the from the very beginning, I don't I don't know which issue of X-Men this was, but like everything from the X universe, it's like this is uh like a great and everything weird that was going on with the X-Men just got dumped in here. Yeah. Because Cable had his own thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the X-Men had, like, 
each individual group of X-Men had all these weird things going on. And in this book, you're just really expected to know all of it. And yeah. there's all these all this gunk that you need to get through X- of who is this character? Why are the Sentinels around? Why is this happening? Why isn't this or this or this other X-Men that I'm familiar here? X-Men 188 through X-Men 199 plus the 2007 annual. Right. Yeah. Matthew, give me some final thoughts on X-Men Supernovas as a trade. Uh, the trade, the this trade as collected is undermining itself. It's questionable enough to have multiple arcs in a trade like this, but to have the arcs be only really related by the fact that they followed each other and have some of the same characters, I think they're really, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot. I feel like this is the worst example of not just writing for the trade. But, you know, making the trade first and foremost in that it's a six-issue arc, a three-issue arc, one annual and another two- or three-issue arc, and it's being sold as one seemingly coherent story. Right. Nothing here is new to me. Now, granted, it's hard for me to find something new. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm the guy who's like, I bought the individual issues, and it was better when, <laughs> when Stan and Jack did it. You know, but... There's you can write X-Men and you can play with familiar tropes and bits of X-Men history. Joss Whedon did it in Astonishing X-Men. Warren Ellis is doing it here and there. I mean, it is possible. And Matt Fraction did interesting stuff playing with the regular X-Men toys. And, you know, it's not as though any of those stories are overly psychotically. This is unique X-Men we've never seen before. No, it's Cyclops and his girlfriend and Wolverine cutting things up. But, what they did with it made it interesting. And Supernovas didn't even do that. If you didn't know who these people were on this team, so you could go, wow, this is not the X, this is not your father's X-Men. Right. And look, Can- Cannonball and Cable are back together, but now Cannonball has the upper hand and the student has become the master. You know, aside from the fact that uh, Omega Mastermind and Lady Sentinel are hotter than donut grease, I can't tell you anything about them. Humberto Ramos art. Yeah, um, they were major players in this arc. And it, uh, I haven't seen him in a comic since this arc ended. And I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. But no. this was scattered at best. It's not a horrible comic. That's the thing about it. It's not horrible. It's just speciously put together. It's 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 Frankenstein's trade paperback. You know, it's got the leg. <laughs> The leg from one dead body and the head from another and what seems to be the arm of a jaguar. So there's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's It wasn't enjoyable for me. It was kind of a slog. The first arc had its moments, but even then, not something that I would recommend. Not a good collection. Uh, I say everything that Matthew says, but in my voice, uh-huh. with the exception of the Humberto Ramos art, which I really enjoy anytime that he draws, even though sometimes the, the boobies look a little wonky where one's kind of oh, pointing up and the other's pointing down. There's this, the, there's this the great, there's a great panel picture. where, uh, lady mastermind is on a, on a slab, like on an operating table. Yeah. And it's like her head. Like I honestly was like, why would, why would <laughs> they have her like in a fetal position? Oh wait, those are not her knees. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the supernovas, the actual supernova story has a few moments of very interesting, mm-hmm. which is totally cast aside yeah. very quickly. Um, but really, I cannot recommend this book. Do not waste the money. Even if you could get it on your iPad, mm-hmm. do not do not w- get it on your, your iPad. Unless you like the pretty art. Yeah. 
and and that's why I bought this. I I have this trade. It cost me thirty bucks. Now that we've talked about it, it can count as a tax write off. So please write it off on your taxes. I, I think I will. Um, and and that's why I got it because I really like Umberto Ramos. I really like Chris Bacallo. Bacallo. Um. So, but but honestly, X Men Supernovas is one of those purchases that has helped to break me out of buying things just for the art. No, oh, there you, there you. It because because it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and and I've been holding on to this gem for a while, and I've I've been wanting to review it on on the podcast for a while because it really just it's like whenever matthew gets snarky with me mm-hmm. about the x-men mm-hmm. there are certain things that i can't say certain things that i can't bring up because of x-men supernovas like it it <laughs> it's stuff like this that knocks the x-men down a peg that when people say you know like that i can't say like well but i don't read legion because it's confusing and there's all these characters and blah 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 and they're just introduced real quick like i can't you know talk about that because the x-men do it too yeah you know (laughs) it's just it you know it if you see it in at your local library then at least you can look at it and say well that's one x-men trade that i don't need to read yeah you know i mean just just if you really want to look at the cool and the worst part about it the worst part about it is that a lot of the time because of the coloring the Umberto Ramos and Chris Bacello art doesn't even look that good. Yeah, and sometimes I think spots. the inking was actually kind of rough. Like, yeah. I think no issue, no consecutive issue of this it's had the same, the same no, it doesn't. group of people working yeah. on it. Yeah, like either the inker, colorist, or artist was different in each one of them. Yep. So there is just no fluidity to the art either. Matthew, I will say that uh, Rodrigo has handed me a copy of. Uh Marvel Avengers Forever for a future read. Let's hope that Rodrigo's next recommendation is better than than this one. Avengers Forever? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. All right. All right, everybody. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening, being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We'll be back next week to talk about brain-eating zombies as we crack open the first hardbound volume of The Walking Dead. Why? A bone. What? <laughs> Why? Because we know that you love zombies and we love comics. And so we will talk with you then. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler! Major Spoilers. Major Spoilers Podcast. Copyright 2010.